This is Slash Report. I'm Prue. And again, because M. Klutz has abandoned me to go to Scotland, I am joined by a special guest, uh, Till Midnight, who I met in college under some bizarre circumstances, um, and who shares a common love with me for the terrible crack melodrama that is K-drama. Hello, Till Midnight. Thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. I have to say, like, when I was taking a classics course at school, I never really thought that we would be here many years later. That's <laughs> not how I thought Egyptology was going to end for me. But, I, didn't you think, know? I didn't think that either. But you know what? That was probably the best thing that we got out of that class, frankly. I really didn't get a whole lot else out of it, I'll be honest. Yeah. Neither did the kids that were sitting next to us, clearly, because... <laughs> So, just to give you some background, Till Midnight and I took this Egyptology course in college, which um, should have been amazing, but wasn't. Um, it started off yeah. okay, but then it derailed real bad, like in the middle, derailed really bad in the middle. I, I um, have no idea how a professor made Egyptology that boring. I know, it was really quite amazing. And the best part about it, I think, is that you could sort of progress how little attention we were paying by like how far back in the classroom we were sitting. And like by the very end, uh, till midnight and I were in like the back row with the freshmen who were like passing notes to literally passing notes to each other. That just said Jaffa Cree to each other. We were also passing notes, but they were mostly mocking the freshmen. Yeah. Next to us, or we were making like Stargate SG1 jokes in the notes yeah. as we were passing back and forth. Oh, it was dark times. Dark times. Yeah. Ah, my college tuition. So without further ado, um, the actual subject of this week's Slash Report is not really our shitty Egyptology class, um, or how little we paid attention. So much as- We both did surprisingly well, considering, you know, the only thing we can remember is Jaffa Cree. Yeah, it's really worrisome, actually, if you think about it, how well we did, given that that's all we remember about the course. Just a few years on. Um, yeah. But we were actually here to talk about K-drama and this strange thing where both of us are incredibly addicted to it for completely separate reasons. Yeah. I mean, where, what's your origin story in terms of K-drama? Okay, so I, um, I lived in Korea for two years. I lived just outside of Seoul and I taught English. Mm -hmm. And I actually started watching K-dramas... Because I had a conversation class of sixth graders <laughs> who were hardcore obsessed with Boys Over Flowers, like oh, the rest of the entire of country. Yeah. And I eventually gave in and watched it so I could figure out what the fuck they were telling me. Because it's hard enough, like, you're dealing with sixth graders who are at a really basic level of English. I at least had to know the source material of this conversation. Definitely. And it, turned into this fantastic, like, teaching tool because they were super impressed that I knew what they were talking about and they really, really wanted to tell me more about it. So they would really try to speak English and get outside of these very basic uh, conversations. So that's how I started with K-dramas. See, that's, like, so much more noble and good <laughs> than, like, how I started with K-dramas. Like, so my story kind of starts with uh, my father being well-meaning but dumb, bringing home two particular dramas, one of which will be largely recognizable to um, Taiwanese drama viewers, one of which should be recognizable to K-drama viewers. The Taiwanese drama one was Meteor Garden, starring 
some dudes who all eventually became really famous as a result of Meteor Garden, including my future husband, even though he doesn't know it yet, Vixo. Um, he loves me. He just he just doesn't understand yet. Um, and uh, a K-drama called All About Eve, which is like the epitome of like the 1990s melodrama K-drama, um, which is about rival female news anchors. And, like, their parallel yet combative lives and their loves and various other things. And everyone just has, like, a lot of feelings, but nobody ever touches. And, like, at one time, at one, it's really edgy because at one point there was, like, an implied abortion. It's, like, big deal. Ooh, 90s, Korea, implied, implied abortion. Um, and I was completely lost. Like, I watched all of it in, like, three days. It was basically, like, it, it was 24 episodes. It was basically so I was, like, tapping out veins to, like, keep shooting it up. And I was like, no, I don't need to sleep. I need to watch more All About Eve. I need it. I need it. It's good for me. It's, it's educational. It was real bad. It was really bad. And that was, like, the beginning of the downward spiral. And that is back when no one had broadband internet. So the only way you could really get it is if I convinced my relatives in China to send me bootlegs of it. Or, like, I went physically to China and got more bootlegs of it. So I've been, like, addicted to this shit for more than a decade now, I think. That's pretty hardcore. Dude, it's so bad. Like, I wish I actually had a drug habit. It would probably be better for me. <laughs> Maybe less shameful. It would take less time. <laughs> okay, so I'm watching, at this point, K-dramas in a very almost intellectual sort of way, removed, mostly so I can talk to kids. And then Prue shows up in Korea. <laughs> and it all goes horribly downhill from there. Um, by downhill, I think you mean awesome. I do. I, I totally do. <laughs> so she brings with her, like, the first few episodes of Secret Garden. Oh, which so good. is pure crack. So pure crack. It is so good for me. It is pure crack, body switching. With the forest witch. With the forest witch. It's amazing. Yeah. The Forest so, Witch doesn't make sense in the context of the story either. No, like, it's never explained. Like, no. you in the series going, what? Yeah, there's just, like, random Forest Witch here. And so we watch the first few episodes. We go out during the day, and then, like, in the evenings, like, we come back and watch K-dramas. It's wonderful. Yeah. So Tolman Wright was going to be leaving Seoul relatively soon. And yeah. I didn't want to go to Seoul alone. And I definitely said I wanted to come visit you and I've always wanted to go to Seoul. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to Seoul in, in January. January. Um, in case Korea you guys don't know, Korea is fucking freezing in January. Yeah. Korea is like wear three pairs of long underwear freezing in January. And it like it half blizzarded twice while I was there. Yeah. The first one was more like a challenge accepted, fuck you, we're going to be tourists through this shit anyways. The second one, we were like, fuck this noise, and we like sat around on your heated floors watching Secret Garden. For like 12 hours, though. 12 hours straight. <laughs> it started snowing during lunch, and we were like, screw this. So like, we went to the bakery on the way home. Yeah, we stocked up on supplies. Yes, and then like, we watched... Secret Garden till like at least five in the morning, and then passed out. Yes, it was great. It was like I cannot express to you how pathetic this was, guys. Like we went to the bakery, we went to like the like the store, the Seven Eleven, basically of Korea, um, and we bought like pastry. I bought booze. Yes, and we had ramen. 
and some eggs. So basically for like the next, I would say, 24 hours, we subsisted off of those three things, including like, like raw emotion. Yeah, like endless weeping. So like at this point, part of the reason we were like, we're not leaving this house, we're staying here until we kill Secret Garden in its entirety, was because the series had just ended. All of the subs had just come out. And, like, we're at this emotional pinnacle that has had us, like, crying for three days now. And we're, she, like... at one point, Prue turns to me and goes, I hate feelings. They make me leak. It was so bad. It was, like, what was this? Like, three in the morning? I was completely delirious. We were definitely drunk. Three in the morning. I was, like, intensely dehydrated. And instead of drinking jet water... Lagged. Jet lagged. And instead of drinking water, I'd been drinking, like, this delicious... Korean rice liquor. Makgeolli. Yes. And then, like, all we'd eaten was, like, pastry um, and ramen that I cracked an egg into and called it cooking. It was bad. Like, this was, like, a bad day. And, like, we were (laughs) horizontal the whole day, just, like, endlessly watching fucking K-drama. And this is the sort of, like, crack addict behavior that this stuff is able to induce in people. And, like, I have to tell you the truth. Like, I am a fanish person. I have fanish inclinations. I have never done that with any other thing that I'm fanishly inclined toward. I've never sat there and just like marathon something because I physically could not tear myself away. I stopped reading Harry Potter books in the middle of them when they first came out. Yeah. Like I would make them stretch for a day or two. Yeah. Like, and there were things that were more important than reading Harry Potter, but I couldn't pull myself away from Secret Garden. You know, like when you have that first blush of love with a fandom and you're like, I have to know everything about this. Like, even then, you're kind of like, I can go outside. I can, like, stop drinking. I can, like, acquire food that doesn't come in a vacuum sealed container. None I of can these things. Sleep- before dawn. Yeah, none of these things were options when we were watching this. And I have to tell you, we were crying the entire time for like the last four episodes. The last four episodes. It was so bad. Like, and what, what on earth is it that we're not selling this well? Like, no one's listening to this thinking, God, that would be really fun. It is. Yeah, it's so fun. Like, what makes it good for you? And why do you think it's that addictive? It's insane. Like, it's so bizarre. Like, in Secret Gardens, one particular show, there's, what, there's Body Swap, there's a Forest Witch. The female lead is a female stunt woman. Yes, there's all sorts of class tensions and, like, gender role reversals. There's amnesia. There's car crashes. It's like... There's, like, your dead firefighter dad and, like, repressed... Not repressed, but, like, your phobia of elevators. It's... It's just non-stop. Yeah. There's just so much shit compressed. And it's only... Sick. And That's here- just the main couple. There's all the subplots that's yeah. going on at the same time. And I think... I think part of what does it is that it's such an intense amount of emotion and it's such an intense amount of, like, oftentimes shitty plot... But um, it's all in 16 episodes, so it's like a nice chunk. And the way that I always view K-dramas, like the way that they get you where you live, is the same way that people feel about romance novels. Like, no one would ever claim that a romance novel is like an exquisitely written piece of literature, but they are the only type of books that sell anymore, and people are grotesquely addicted to them. You know, like, I have authors where the minute they put out a new book, like, my Kindle pretty much auto-downloads it because they, I know that I'm going to want to read it. Like, Julia Quinn, take all of my fucking money, right? Laura Lee exactly. Gerke, like, I don't need I don't need a retirement account. I need your, like, shitty Regency novels. It's the you same can, way that I feel about K-drama. Yeah, and it, it's bad fic, but done 
well. Yes, and visually engaging and just like high production values and all that other business. It's often very well acted too. Yes, yes. There's some very talented Korean actors. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, I think that for our, for outsiders looking in on this like phenomenon of K drama, because I think it's getting more and more globally popular. You're starting to find people who you would not anticipate being into K drama. Secret crack addicts as well. We're all K drama fans in the closet. Yeah, I think all of us are, and I think fandom particularly is has an ultra weakness to it because all of us were savvy enough media consumers to access it, number one, for the most part. Yeah, there is that. And number two, like, it appeals to all of, like, the same parts of our brains that are, like, all I really want is, like, an epic Hurt Comfort AU with kittens. Um, Exactly. It's the same part of the brain that is being constantly stimulated in K-drama. There's these tropes that you see pop up in fandom and you don't really see other places in, like, mainstream media except in K-dramas. Exactly. body swap is canonical. Oh, body swap is canonical. Yeah, so I mean, I think that it's important also to sort of explain that, like, if you're listening to this conversation and thinking, you guys are fucking insane, like, this sounds like the dumbest thing ever, we agree. Like, there is nothing, yeah, you're, you're not alone in considering that. There's nothing about this genre and the plots that sometimes pop up that doesn't sound crazy, but it works. Somehow it works. So I actually come from, this is an interesting sort of distinction that happens occasionally here. Um, I'm actually Asian in background. I'm not actually Korean, but I'm Asian in background. So like when I watch K-dramas, it doesn't feel as, um, I guess, alien to me, a lot of the stuff that happens there. But you're like a straight up white person, like... Southern and white. Southern and white. Um, how, How does it feel like coming from that frame of reference like does it feel really alien to watch it like how long does that learning curve take or is it sort of like instinctual for me it was fairly instinctual but by the time i saw my first k-drama i had been to korea actually the first k-drama i ever saw was at your house is when you had to rescue me off the side of the road ah good times yeah my car broke down and prue and her father showed up to like rescue me for the evening ah good times (laughs) Even at that point, like, I had been to Korea for a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. and then was back and wouldn't go back to actually live there for another year, but, so I never saw it purely as just, like, an alien culture. Right. And even listening to it, like, I pick out chunks of the Korean, my Korean is terrible, but, like, I know enough that when I hear it, I go, oh, wait, okay, I can understand bits of it, so I'm not... Like, I'm Southern and white, but I'm not totally alien to the culture. Right. So I'm... Potentially not the best person to ask that question to. Right, but you're you're better than me anyway. Yeah, that's true. I didn't grow up though with it, and it is interesting looking into a completely different culture and a different city and just a different way of life. And I wonder how much people, like foreign watchers, miss like all the subtle cultural things that are going on in it. I definitely one thing that I definitely know that I miss is the difference between. So there's two types of Korean people speak to one another. One is um, formal, which is what you speak to your superiors, your betters, your elders, or people that you just don't know that well. Um, yeah. And then there's a casual version called bammal, which you say to your friends um, and people that you know, whatever like that. And you know, the distinction between like when you use those versions with different characters in the shows means a lot, and we miss all of it entirely. 
unless someone specifically gets called out on it because I don't pick it up. You should also know in case this uh, podcast is a little choppy in places that we are essentially getting cut off at roughly two minute increments every time because Skype My keeps hanging up. My router doesn't like K-dramas, apparently. The router is like, I fucking hate you, like get off of drama fever, you're just killing me, I'm tired. I don't wanna, I don't wanna watch any more princess hours or whatever they're calling it over there. <laughs> Yeah, so apologies for that. If you're considering watching K-dramas, be aware. There's going to be, like, a big cultural gap there. But I think that that's part of the attraction. Like, it's a really interesting insight into perhaps not a completely honest reflection of everyday life for... Idealized, but... Yeah. But it's definitely... It's really cool. It's, like, the same way that when you read about ancient cultures, like, I always really wanted to read about what their houses look like and, like, what they ate... <laughs> And, like, the toys that they played with. Because I, I don't really care about, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't really care about, like, their wars and things like that. I mean, all of that is important in terms of the geography of human history. But in terms of the history of mankind, it's always the much humbler things that draw the eye. And I think that in terms of, as students of culture, K-dramas are really fascinating to me for that particular reason. I agree. And it also makes us sound a lot more noble when we say that. Yeah, to be honest, like, all that translates into is, like, till midnight and I will watch K-drama and be like, god damn it, I really want some kimchi jjigae. Like, yes. We just sit around, like, looking at all the food that they're, they're forever eating in K-drama. Like, in all Asian drama, they're forever eating. And it's just all these wonderful, wonderful, like, scenes of, like, Korean food, and I just, I miss it so much. Yeah, one of my top goals for going to Seoul was, and... Till Midnight knows this, because I created, like, a list of food that I wanted to try. Um, was, like, I have to drink in a tent. Like, every K-drama has, like, an obligatory, like, I'm depressed, I'm getting shit-faced in a tent scene. And I, like, desperately needed that to be part of my life. And we made it happen. We did, and it was awesome. It was so good. It was, it was real good. That was, like, a weird drink night. Meat in a tent. That was a weird night, too. So we went to... Okay, so we were in Gangnam, which is, like, a really... It's not... It, okay, you're gonna have to describe this. It's uh, it's very much a downtown. There's a lot of businesses located there. Samsung's based out of um, okay. Gangnam. Hyundai is, Kia is. We were near all of their headquarters. So it's very, very commercial. Very big skyscrapers. Lots of neon. Tons and tons of stores and restaurants. So we were in the back streets behind all, like, the major skyscrapers and like stores and restaurants that were in Gangnam and they have these and wonderful like yes it's so wonderful it's overwhelming and there's tons and tons of restaurants and little stores that just like go up and down these hills um behind Gangnam and we found this like great little restaurant that backed out with this like tent but we walked in and like neither till midnight and I spoke enough Korean to really sufficiently order or to express our desires for that meal um, but weirdly, the proprietor spoke Chinese, so, like, we ended up having a thing where, like, Till Midnight was telling me stuff in English, and I was translating it into Chinese to the guy who was telling his cook in Korea. It was a weird night. There were a lot of languages going on it there. It was a weird night. If we had to bust out, like, my baby Japanese, too, that would have been, like, the strangest... <laughs> The strangest of all nights. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it's obligatory. Like, if we talk about K-dramas, we have to talk about our favorite K-dramas. Like, if you... All of our discussion of this is kind of moot. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think that you really do have to give one a try in order to get why it really works for some people and it really doesn't work for some other people. So what would be one of your recommendations for if you're curious about what's making us so crazy? A really, really good one, not just like insane, although there's plenty of insanity, but also good and good, really hits you on an emotional level is coffee prints. Yes. Good choice. Yeah. Which is one that Prue recommended to me once, like, I had inhaled Secret Gardens, like, <laughs> I need more. Yes. She had a whole list, actually. And I went, and I watched most of them, the ones I could get my hands on. Yes. And Coffee Friend was, I think, by far my favorite out of that group. You're going to have to, you're going to have to give a little overview on Coffee Friends now. Okay, so there's this girl, um, Unchan, and she's almost like a trans character. She's very, very tomboyish she's not feminine at all her sister actually refers to her as opa which means big brother yeah everybody mistakes her for a guy and there's um another character a very rich almost kind of like playboy named han kyul and he's trying to get out of his grandmother setting him up with a woman so he hires unchan the girl slash the girl um to be his lover, his pretend boyfriend during all of these matchmaking dates. Not knowing that she is a she. Yeah, thinking that she is a he. And then they continue to work together. He opens up a coffee shop. And the whole premise of the coffee shop is they hire attractive men. So she has to continue being a man. <laughs> and they fall in love. Like, he straight up falls in love with her and goes through this whole gay crisis. Yeah. And Korea is not a country that is particularly accepting of homosexuality. No, there's definitely um, a strange concept where if you eat enough kimchi, it'll ward off the gay. Like kimchi's, kimchi's generally told that by a, uh, a, a somebody who worked at my school. I've been there about a month, and he was asking me why didn't wasn't I eating kimchi, which is spicy pickled cabbage, which is like the national dish of Korea, and it's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah, and so I wasn't eating it because I just gotten there. It was a, a learning curve before I started enjoying it. Yeah, and starts listing all of the things that kimchi will cure, and it's like everything: the common cold, it'll take care of bird flu, it'll cure the gay. Yeah, stared at him slack jawed because all of this is being translated by another coworker. But yeah, kimchi cures the gay. It didn't work on me though. I went to no. I went to Korea. I ate a lot of kimchi. Still pretty bent. Um, yeah. I started eating it. I did not straighten back up. So. I know we should have we should have fed you more while we were there. I know uh, <laughs> earlier, but uh, Coffee Prince I think was unquestionably one of the most popular K dramas of its year. Generally critically acclaimed. Yep. A lot of people like it. Unfortunately, the series got so. This is another thing that happens in K-drama, which I'll explain very shortly. But the series got extended two episodes at the very end. It was originally only supposed to, it was supposed to be shorter. But because of its popularity, it got extended. And you can see the quality drop significantly in the very last yeah. two episodes. But I don't think it really detracts from the rest of the series. Like At that point, you're so in love, nothing could make, it make you stop loving it. Exactly. Um, but this kind of goes into sort of the other reason that K-dramas are really interesting in a way, they function sort of like kink meme prompts. Um, yeah. They operate as a live feedback loop because they're shot in, they're a live shoot. So most K-dramas go into production 
probably just a month before they hit the air. And the scripts as well as the filming are done simultaneous to broadcast. So they're probably shooting the episode that you're about to see, like later this week, still, right now. Um, and it'll go into edit and like post-production and stuff in like the course of like two or three days. It's insanity. It's um, all very intense. You feel bad for the actors. It's just, it's some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard. Uh, if you're interested in knowing about some of the craziest hijinks that come as a result of this insane shooting schedule that most K-dramas have, look up a currently broadcasting series called Spy Mulwong, and I'm totally butchering that name, but it's about um, a woman who's basically a North Korean spy that infiltrates the Korean drama or Korean star machine. Don't even ask. It doesn't make any more sense in the context of the show either. I tried to watch the first ser- episode. I failed out of it in 15 minutes. But, like, the series has fallen apart in such, like, a dramatic way. Like, the actress ran away to Los Angeles. Like, there were apparently 20-hour days on set. Like, there's a rumor that some of the production cat, like, some of the production crew were, like, just wearing adult diapers because they didn't have time to, like, go to the bathroom between take the the level of insanity engendered in this is nuts but what that also means is that as they're watching it they can take live feedback from people on the internet anytime like people don't like something it sort of just gets written out or like things get changed like things can go through dramatically huge changes or if the show is doing really well like with coffee prince they extend it yeah so coffee gets prince extended but it's still it's an amazing drama and it's an amazing look at like somebody going through like a whole like a gay crisis and how that's being dealt with especially in such a conservative society yeah, it's very, it's really, it's really well done. It's exquisitely acted by the two leads. They're really, really good. I thought, I thought it was totally charming. I mean, to go from something that's like legitimately good to something that was like good in the way that Cinnabon is good, mm. but bad for you, um, is Princess Hours or Gung or Palace. Yes. Which I think start, kicked off in a weird way. A renaissance in like trendy hipster young uh, K drama, and I say hipster like not in the sense of hipster in the U.S. It's just like super trendy and hip, which is uh, trendy dramas is like a thing now. Um, yeah, it's based on a a comic that's super popular in South Korea, where the premise is that the two Koreas were never separated. Um, that the, it's still a unified country and there's still a monarchy. So it wasn't dismantled during the war and it's now operating as a constitutional monarchy. So there's like a figurehead prince and like a Royal family. Only you get to see royalty in the Asian sense of royalty. And I found this so interesting and so cool to watch because the world that it sort of creates is really visually stunning. It was the most expensive, um, K-drama filmed at the time of its making. And you can tell because the sets are amazing. The costumes are fantastic. And it's truly a story that's like a Cinderella story. It's like a commoner girl ends up betrothed to the prince and she marries him because her family needs the money. And he's like an asshole to her. But they sort of like fall in love throughout their time in the palace. It's cotton, it's cotton candy, candy floss visually this go- is the very first one i ever watched and i saw like three episodes while i was stuck at prue's house because my car died <laughs> on the interstate and then like my car got fixed and i could not find it 
anywhere online and it drove me nuts for years. Uh, so how did you finally get a hold of it? You gave me a list of a couple places to look when you were back in Seoul and I eventually found it there and watched it in like some crazy I'm packing up like my entire apartment <laughs> like two years to like ship home in boxes. I must watch Korean drama. Uh, I can't think of anything better to do while you're packing up your life to ship home in boxes, frankly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Really, I agree. Kung is, like, ultra charming. Uh, it's really adorable. Definitely sweet as hell. One of those dramas that, like, everyone loves. Another, like, so here, here's, like, something you need to know that's, like, an absolute truth about Korean dramas. They start out strong, will get really good in the middle, You'll hit, like, crack addict shakes, like, need the next episode level about three quarters of the way through, and they suck at the end. They yeah, invariably they just, they, suck at the end. Yeah. They just, like, never, ever stick the landing. And I wonder if that's associated with the fact that they film the way that they do, or if, I don't know. I just, I can't figure it out, but I've never watched one that has, like, a thoroughly satisfying ending. I've seen Korean movies that I was satisfied with the ending, and they were... It was like a complete like plot arc, so I think it might be unique to the dramas. Yeah, it's com it's it's really baffling. But I'm I'm sitting here like reviewing all the many 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 K dramas that I've watched. I was like, have I seen even one that had a good ending that I want? Like, no, I got nothing. Maybe not the most ringing endorsement, but still. No, I mean like, but the it's never stopped us. It's the same no. way. It's just like the roller coaster is so good that even if the ending's a little rocky, like who the fuck cares, man? Exactly. They get you, and then you're just hooked, and you're in love, and addicted, and you oh, can't stop. So the addiction is like so intense, so intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to wreck any more? I think I think we have to. I mean, like we can't just like tell people that there are only two or three that are worth watching because that that would be a grotesque lie. Definitely more. Um, I think so. But we picked two that were happy, right? Like we got Coffee Prince and Palace or Kung, which were both happy. I'm gonna give you one that is sad as hell. And you're going to cry your eyes out, but it's so good. So 49 Days is another magical realism one about this girl who gets into a car wreck the day before her wedding um, after she sees her best friend and her fiancé in, like, sort of suspicious circumstances. When the Reaper comes to take her away, he says that there's been a mistake. She wasn't supposed to be... She wasn't supposed to die. Like, this is not scheduled. It was, like, an error on his part that this happened. So... As compensation, what she can do to earn her life back is she has to make, she has to f capture the tears of three people who genuinely love her, like who are seriously crying out of love, and they can't be related to you. These people who are related to you ultimately love you because they're your family. It has to be people who just, you know, you've affected throughout the course of your life. And because the reason she gets into this car accident and almost dies is this other girl who is trying to commit suicide in the road. She gets to borrow this girl's body at night to, to like do her business, to like try and find people who are willing to cry for her. Um, this sounds like an intensely cracky premise, but I have to tell you, it was, it was one that I went into really, really kind of like, I don't know about this. I'm not going to lie. I'm primarily going because the boys are cute. It turned out to be one of the best ones I've seen in a really long time. And actually, you know what? I take it back. The ending of 49 Days is perfect. It is the most perfect K-drama ending I've ever seen. But also in addition to it being perfect, it was also perfectly 
like you cry a lot during that drama for like obvious reasons but it's very much I mean like it's a love story but it's also a story about her kind of coming to terms with herself and her family and like gaining inner strength and it's just it's a really well written incredibly well acted drama and I completely take back what I was saying about there being a lack of perfect endings because that was the most perfect ending that that drama could have had. I haven't seen that one but I'm gonna have to go look it up now. Yeah you will cry though dude. Stop you know once on time, we're private. Okay, as long as you're aware that this is happening. Yes, heard so good. I mean, my second one is going to be a historical one. There are a lot of historical dramas, mm-hmm. and there's actually a term for it. I forget it. But um, Sung Kyung Kwan scandal. Oh my gosh, yes. Which I loved. I absolutely loved. That was the other one I watched while packing. Right. Kind of like hysterical, and it's also another one with a cross dresser. Apparently. I like that. Apparently that's your thing. I'm starting to see yeah. a strange pattern here. <laughs> I know. Also in K-dramas, because there's a lot of cross-dressing ones that I can watch. Ah, uh, yes. It is set in, I think, 1700, 1600 era Korea. I'm not sure. It's sometime way back. Yes. And there's a girl whose father was a scholar, so she was educated and trained. And then he died to help support her family and her sick brother... She dresses up like a man. Takes her brother's identity. Yeah, takes her brother's identity. And, like, acts as, like, a tutor or, like, a substitute test taker, actually, for the wealthy men in, like, the town who are trying to attend Sun Kyung Kwan University. And then she accidentally gets, like, caught by the king as taking the test for someone. And instead of punishing her, he makes her go to the university. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so like all of a sudden she's stuck in the universe she has to pretend to be a guy for ages and it's just it is visually stunning it's beautifully filmed it's absolutely beautiful the acting is actually quite good as well and it's just so enjoyable and i'm also a huge history nerd so uh you were forgetting to mention like this is also the slashiest k-drama the that i've ever seen thing ever yeah I mean, the lead the lead couple is a heterosexual couple, and they're precious as hell. They're, like, cute as a button. But. But there's the, also, like, a secondary ultra important to me get romance. The, one of the characters is just, like, the most flamboyant, pervy, like, gay fairy ever. He's the best gay fairy. I love him. I love him unconditionally. Oh, he's, like, the best gay fairy of all. And he figures out that the main character is a woman and just, like, messes with her head because of it, too. It's wonderful. It's amazing. He's also the smartest person there. He's, like, the ringleader mastermind of the whole crew. And it's, like, he just, like, gets up to stuff because he's so smart that he's bored and, like, he's spoiled. It's hilarious. I loved him. I would hate him in real life, and I love him unconditionally in this drama. I have to say, what did you think about the ending? Because I think it was very controversial among people who did watch the drama. I personally loved it. I liked the way they played it. I liked it less, but I never loved the main characters together. Oh, okay. So I was definitely um, going for Guy B. So I just never loved, um, I forget what the main guy's name is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Main I guy. never loved him, though. Okay. So Got it. I also thought he was the weakest actor in the group. Yes. So I think that hurt some of my love. He was most but definitely. I people enjoyed the ending, and it's... 
it was well done. I enjoyed it. It was the best possible ending that it, they yeah. could have gotten. Um, actually, your mentioning going for Guy B brings up another important element of K-drama, is that it has a very standard format, the same way that romance novels have a very standard format. The rules are very clear. There's always, like, a female lead character who is sort of fail. Yes. There's, like, a guy A who is, like, all wrong for her, but so right. And then there's, like, a guy B who is objectively better in every way. And he will be painfully in love with her and get stomped on all over. Because she's yeah. always going to end up with guy A. This is why you mentioned hurt comfort at the beginning. There's yes. always that element of it. There's always a love triangle and there's always hurt comfort because of the love triangle. Yeah. And any long-term K-drama viewer knows, like, that exquisite pain of, like, wanting Guy B to win. Just, like, wanting Guy B to win so badly. Ah, never happens. Yeah. An interesting um, twist on that trope is Secret Garden, where it's the guy who is a failboat. That's and the true. And is more competent. Yeah, the guy's like an ultra failboat. Secret Garden is is amazing. We talked about it at the beginning, but that would also be one that I would recommend just, you know, to get the addiction started. Yeah. The Secret Garden is also probably the most sexually charged yes. K-drama that's aired in a really long time. Yeah, they're not overtly sexual. Yeah, they're not overtly they're sexual smart. at all. So there's like sort of a sweet innocence to them in a really weird way. And it's, it's very enjoyable. It's also coming from American media where it is usually pretty sexually charged and it's nice to get away from that sometimes. It is. Or about the relationship. Yeah, it's all about, like, feelings and not so much about, like, hopping into bed with one another. Although if you do want, like, a little sexual frisson, like, sexual sexual garden, secret garden, <laughs> this definitely had it going on in some unexpected places. Like, yes, everyone who's seen the drama, presumably some of you listening to this are listening to this out of, like, perverse, like, I've been there, curiosity. Remember that scene with the push or the sit-ups and you're like why yes. is that hot like why is that so smoking hot like sit-ups should yes. not be sexual dude it's wrong <laughs> and there's all sorts of innuendos too especially at the very end about their sex life and how that's why they're all so sore and <laughs> injured it's why it's why his back is always going out on him yeah explicitly so stated so good times for all <laughs> Definitely. If you're listening to all of this thinking, okay, this is great. Um, this all sounds really interesting. I need another addiction the same way that I need that hole in my head that I'm getting drilled next week. Um, but you're wondering, this barrier to entry sounds really high. I don't speak Korean. I don't have access to Korean television. Where the fuck are you guys even getting this? Do I have to like go down to the corner near the middle school and ask a guy who knows a guy? Um, not anymore. Not anymore. Um, the old days were the cowboy days. Uh, and those were the bad ones. But these days, it's slightly easier to get access to it. So if you are in the U.S., you actually have a really good option. It's called Drama Fever. Just do a Google search. Um, it's basically like the Hulu of K-drama. You can buy like a paid account, but you can also watch a lot of it for free. And I think that everything that we have talked about on the show today is available on Drama Fever. So give that a look. And it also has... Actually, speaking of Hulu... There are a lot of K-dramas on Hulu if you have a paid account. That is true. There are a ton of K-dramas on Hulu if you have a paid I account. I assume that they are, um, they're subtitled. I don't have a paid account, so I don't actually know, but... They are subtitled, America. Yeah. They are. Um, I would definitely give both of those options a look. If you are more of one of those people whose cowboy days are not over, 
By which I mean me, because you're on the bleeding edge of K-drama addiction. The other places to get this are the D-Addicts Forum, D-Addicts, do a Google search, where you're going to have to torrent the episodes, at which point you're going to enter a terrible dark world called Soft Subs and AVI Files. You will probably have better luck looking for a tutorial online explaining how those work than listening to me on this podcast, though. And in addition, if you're looking for something that's a bit older or more established, I mean, like, your other option to check is to look on Yes Asia, where you can buy a lot of DVD box sets for some of these dramas if you feel like really investing some money in it. Um, I know, for example, that... One of M. Klutz's friends, M.A., who, like, incepted herself into K-drama. Like, no no effort on my part. Like, didn't do anything. I actually warned her against it. She was watching You're Beautiful till midnight. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. She was watching You're Beautiful and sending me increasingly insane emails as she was watching You're Beautiful. Like, at one point I was like, you're Godspeed. You're on your own. Like, I... I quit that before it got to me. Um, we watched, like, two episodes of that, and we're like, yeah, moving on. I can't do this. Like, this main character's so dumb, I, like, want her to fail at everything. So dumb. Anyways, um, you can also buy box sets of K-dramas online, which is what M.A., who incepted herself into K-drama, did. And she said that she was never going to watch another one, which probably means she's, like, watching four simultaneously right now as we speak. Yeah, yeah. And- place to look not to to download them but to read recaps and also to get a bit of the background on some yes. of the culture that's now is drama beans drama is a great site they do recaps with screen really captures, good recaps really too. good re- recaps another one that i've recently found that i really like and she does both k-dramas as well as taiwanese and chinese dramas is koala's playground so just do a google search for that as well um and she recaps a lot of the stuff that drama beans isn't recapping uh, updates constantly. Very good for me. There are a lot of options out there if you want to, you know, get that second hole in your head. Definitely. So, any closing thoughts on the K-drama dilemma? They're they're delightful and they're incredibly addictive. I spent the weekend with a friend this past weekend and she was asking what I was watching. I'm like, oh, it's a K-drama. And I started to, like, explain it. She's like, okay, are we going to watch this now? <laughs> I'm like, sure, we can watch it. She... She's completely Southern and white. She's never been to Asia. She has no ties to it. And, like, we finished the episode. She's like, now we're watching the next one, right? And so, like, we killed an afternoon watching K-dramas. And she's just got inducted into it. And by the time I left, I'd given her my entire folder of K-dramas. You're so. going to have to be her dealer from now on going forward. I know. Go for it. She, You know what? She can tell herself she's training her baby to be bilingual. <laughs> watched with us her seven month old baby and i like curled up on a couch and watched k-dramas oh this is so educational it's fine it's fine it's legitimate she'll be bilingual yes i think that my closing thought is that i think in a weird way there's a darth of romance novels in most people's lives you know there's a reason that these appeal so much to a lot of the people who watch them and it's like overwhelmingly female when you look at the audiences. And I think it's because, you know, you've got a lot of crime shows, you've got a lot of adventure shows, you've got a lot of, like, sexy shows. Medical um, shows. Medical shows, yeah. And they all fall into these genres, and none of them really fall into the genre that I, like, read the most, which is 
romances. You know, who doesn't love a good old-fashioned love story? And these are not the sort of spiraling, insane stories that go on for like five seasons. Most of them run 16 episodes, 14 episodes, like the long ones run 24. It's a short, quick-hit commitment, and it's good. It just like it plays at your heartstrings. Like, and you know you're being manipulated, but it feels good. It's that chemical rush of falling in love every time you watch one of these. It's really intensely good for the viewers. And I think that everyone should give them a try. Uh, go to Drama Fever, go to Hulu, go to Dx. Check out another option you have. I'm not endorsing this, is My Soju, which gives you streaming options. Till Midnight is laughing, Ilay Liberté is not laughing because she lives on that website. You've got a lot of options out there. Give it a try. Drama Crazy is another um, one that is streaming. Yeah. Dramacrazy.net. If you're basically in the desert, of media consumption during the long summer hiatus, give this a try. Like, K-drama can be your backup drug. So give it a shot, guys. Yes. Till Midnight, thank you for valiantly overcoming your Skype issues to do this with me. <laughs> thank you for putting up with me having to uh, start over again every three minutes. You're a fucking champ. I love you to pieces. <laughs> uh, I love you too. All right. Thank you for getting me started on this... Uh crazy crazy road i don't think you should thank me for it all right guys thank you for tuning in once more um it's a pleasure to have you and good luck on your k-drama adventures uh, uh, let's go.